Hello, this is The Dollop. Each week, I read a story from American history to my friend... Gareth Reynolds, who has no idea what the topic is about. Boy, howdy! Oh. I don't know. Okay. This is a good intro. This is one of our better intros. <laughs> God, do you want a little hit of dude? I'll do one bottle. <laughs> people say this is funny? Not Gary, Gareth. Dave, okay. Someone or something is tickling people. Is it for fun? And this is not going to become the Tickling Podcast. Okay. You are Queen Fakey of Made Up Town. All hail Queen Shit of Liesville. A bunch of religious virgins go to mingle. And do what? Pray. Hi, Gary. No. Nicely done, my friend. No. No. <laughs> February 10th, 1963. Mmm. Wait a minute, that's... That's modern. That's almost... We're almost at an anniversary. This person could be alive. Yeah. Leonard Kyle Dykstra entered the world in Garden Grove, California. Okay. His parents, Dennis and Marilyn Dykstra, were a young phone company workers in Garden Grove, California. Oh, this one is hitting right close to us. Yeah, this one's really close to us. People don't know Garden Grove is somewhere around us, and I don't know exactly. No where idea is. where, but I know that it's probably twenty to thirty minutes it's away. Around, yeah, it's around here. It's a place that nobody cares about. I'm sorry if you live there. Sorry, Garden Grove. Uh, we don't really care that much. But the rest of us think you're going to hear the straight truth. <laughs> uh, he was the second son of the couple. Lenny's dad left the family when he was four. Good dad. One only assumes because of Lenny. Yeah, obviously. Uh, he, uh, he was an asshole, and so the dad was like, I'm out of here, you four-year-old. Yeah. Enough with the blocks! <laughs> so he was raised by his mother and his stepfather in Anaheim, California. Okay. We both know about Anaheim. Yep. We were a sports family, Lenny's mother said. His father and I devoted our lives to the kids and their sports schedules. I can't even remember a weekend when we didn't have some kind of game to get to somewhere. Okay. Okay? Yep. You down? I'm down. It sounds like they're great people. Lenny uh, spent his childhood playing many different sports, but baseball was his passion. Four-year-old Lenny swung at tennis balls for hours and cried when his parents suggested he stop. At six, he talked coaches into making him a base runner in an eight and over league. At six, he talked them in. Hey, man, come on. What are you, crazy? What's going on over here, you guys? How hard do I have to sell you guys on me? Hey, guys, what's going on over here? Come on. I'm six. Do you want some candy? Let's make a deal. Look at my legs. Look at my legs. Look at my legs. (laughs) Um, uh, After going three for four in an all-star game, nine-year-old Lenny begged his stepdad, to stop at the batting cages afterwards. Jesus. Quote, I don't feel right, Dad. I've got to work. Whoa. Nine years old. Shit, I don't know, man. It just I went three for four. It just fucking feels weird, dude. Like, how would you even take that? You'd just be like, he is adorable. I would. I don't know if i call him adorable. I think <laughs> I might say we need to take you to like a, some sort of psychological evaluation. <laughs> have to put him in a home. <laughs> Lenny just stands there and pitches at the door all day. Um, so uh, the family. Oh, I already did that. It's okay. I'd love to hear it again. Oh, right. The family. No, I didn't already do this. The family lived near Anaheim Stadium, uh, which is known as the Big A. Yep. And uh, Lenny, uh, that's where the Anaheim Angels play, and they're a baseball team. The Anaheim the Angels of Los Angeles. Know. They're the, yeah. So. Uh, and his brother and him would uh, ride their bikes to the ballpark, and they'd sneak into the outfield on off days. Okay. Uh, when he was about 12, he and the other kids hiked the four miles to Anaheim Stadium, and they snuck inside, his mother said. It really wasn't a mischievous thing. Lenny was just so thrilled to be on the field where Rod Crew played. 
They were sliding into bases and hitting balls off the wall when, all of a sudden, there was a police helicopter above them telling them they were all trespassing. Oh, shit. I guess they would have been arrested, but Lenny was so fast that he got away. <laughs> well, I mean... She sounds proud of the fact that her child proud. was committing crimes. He's an X-Man. He can outrun helicopters. So from this, we can gather that um, there was a lot of supervision. Yeah, good parenting. It's fine that the dad left at four. Yeah, clearly yeah. nothing happened. There's not a vacuum. Lenny was very fast. He was a record-setting runner on his high school football team. The team would practice set plays all week. And then on game day, Lenny would get the ball, blow off all the set plays that everyone worked so hard on all week, and then go score a touchdown. <laughs> those, those are, like, those that's are, the kid you honestly don't want to be on a team with. No, you fucking hate his like, guts, but he's, like, he's scoring. Six points! Woo! You're yeah, like, motherfucker! Like, yeah, I mean, all the things we worked on all week, and you just blew it off. <laughs> yeah, man, we scored, though. Come I, on! Uh, I hate you. Let's go to the batting cages after this. <laughs> he was the leadoff hitter in high school because he loved the attention. Lenny dominated the team. By the time he was a sophomore, he was short, and people were always telling him he was too short to make it. Do you know who this is now? I know who Lenny Dykstra is, Okay, yeah. but you don't know the Lenny Dykstra story. I don't think I know. The f- Maybe I'll key into some of it. But. You would know. Okay. He took the sport so seriously that before his high school games, all the other boys would be lined up along the fence talking to girls, while Lenny would be in the locker room staring at a ping pong ball for 15 minutes. He believed that by doing that... <laughs> The baseball would look as big as a basketball. Wait, okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, all right. So, so, so he thought that if, <laughs> if he stared at a ping pong yeah, ball, that it'll then when he went out to play baseball, he'll be like, "Holy shit! Look at the size of that oh thing! God, what's coming at me? I just gotta hit this meteor once." <laughs> <laughs> all right, so. So we tell that story. So if he plays ping pong, what does he look at? Oh, he looks at little tiny... He just looks at a marble? He's like, yeah. yeah. Like, Holy shit. Uh, and then someone's like, let's play marbles. He's like, ah! I gotta get a pin. I gotta look at a pinhead. Yeah, so he's not smart, I think is what we're saying. Sure. Or he's got a weird, um, you know, he's got a weird diet. It, the way he looks at sports is a little strange. It's a little strange. Yeah. Uh, a student at his school recalled I had the pleasure of playing high school baseball and football against Lenny I have to say that I have never seen a high school baseball player as good as him truly an incredible athlete but as great as an athlete as he was he was an also an incredibly arrogant jerk I have personal memories of him that remind me of how selfish a person he was <laughs> I mean there's a, there's a lot of extra words in there but still <laughs> Just, I look back and think, what an athlete, what a dick. Right, that's all, what he really needed to say. Yeah. I mean, clearly he was he, he gave a nice quote, but the yeah. real thing is, no, the guy could play ball, but he's a fucking he's piece asshole, of shit. Yeah. He's a piece of shit. <laughs> Lenny played for Garden Grove High School and batted 550, oh my which God. is insane. Yeah. That's an insane bat. The, the best baseball players bat like around 330. Yeah. Uh, 18 at 18 he entered the 1981 amateur draft, right? He was convinced his hometown angels would select him in the first round. Oh, well, I know I know where we're headed. <laughs> Instead, they took shortstop Dick Schofield. The first round passed. And the second round passed. Oh boy. And Lenny was not picked. Finally, with a 315th pick in the 13th round, <laughs> the lowly New York Mets took a shot on Lenny. Okay. So, I'm guessing based on his batting average and his size, Oh, it, it could have been his size, but more than Attitude? anything, it was his fucking attitude. 
<laughs> people don't want a douchebag on the on your team. Well, they during like don't. the interviews, you don't bring up the ping pong thing. No. No, what do you? I, I stir. I stir ping pong balls. This is my best friend Wilson. Lenny was furious. Fuck the Angels, he said. He felt betrayed by the Angels and was not happy to take the Mets' offer. <laughs> the Mets offered him $25,000 uh, bonus to sign. Right. This is very common now. Like a player, I get like $7 million to sign Yeah, uh, right out of uh, high school or college. Lenny said no to the 25000 So they offered him 27500 and he said no. Okay. Then the Mets offered him 30000 and he refused that. Jesus. What? I mean, there's not really a backup plan, though, right? Quote! <laughs> I'm the best fucking player in the draft, Lenny <laughs> told the Mets scout, and I should be fucking paid like it. Oh, wow. <laughs> well, the Mets have to be excited for this guy. <laughs> Finally, the Mets made him a final offer of a $35,000 bonus. Okay. And Lenny took it. Jesus. You also, you also can't demand a huge bonus if you were picked 315. Yeah, there's not a lot of leverage. Because if they give you... The most money, then they have to pay everybody above you yeah. more money. Yeah. You fucking idiot. It's yeah, asshole too. <laughs> also, the idea that you go from being like, I'm worthless ten grand later, you're like, I'll take it. <laughs> ten grand is your margin. It was five thousand dollars more. I'm the best guy in the fucking world. Fine, five, we sold five, small shoes more. here. Five thousand more? Okay. I feel right. respect. Okay. I feel the respect I that I needed. It. I got it there. Five okay. grand. That says you think I'm the best. Thank you. In the Mets minor leagues, he became friends with fellow outfielder Billy Bean, who later became the longtime GM of the Oakland A's and the star of the movie. Oh, Moneyball, Moneyball. guy. Right. Uh, quote Billy Bean, Lenny was perfectly designed emotionally to play baseball in that he had no concept of failure. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> no concept of failure. That's going to lead to other things in his life. Okay, cool. I'm excited. Another former minor league teammate recalls, quote, he was the hardest playing athlete I'd ever seen, but he was very disrespectful and he didn't give a shit if he had to run you over to gain an edge. It was all about Lenny, 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 Lenny. <laughs> all right. He had a habit of bringing home the fattest, ugliest women to have sex with, and then he would kick them out afterwards and return an hour later with another. Ugh. So. But he would be, but before he would go take those women home, he would just look at a doll so he could kind of visualize... <laughs> What it, how easy it was going to be to hit it when they were there. <laughs> In his major league debut on May 3rd, Is there any reason why he would just bring home the... I don't know. He was just... That's just his thing. He liked he liked him big. He liked him uh, big and... Uh, he liked his women like he liked his ego. Yep. Enormous. <laughs> uh, okay, so his major league debut... Uh, May 3rd, 1985, leading off for the Mets, Lenny went two for five, scored twice, drove in two runs, stole a base, and hit a home run. Pretty good. It's a fucking awesome debut. He played part-time after that and didn't get into the lineup steadily until July when Mookie Wilson went down with an injury. You probably, since you don't follow baseball, you don't know Mookie Wilson, but Mookie Wilson was an actual person. Uh, yeah, Someone no, named their kid Mookie. Yeah, right. Which is fucked up. Yeah, Mookie. Sure. Lenny immediately made an impact with his scrappy style of hard-nosed play. He soon became known as Nails. Ooh, because he's nickname. tough as nails? He's fucking tough as nails. All right. For his toughness as well or as it'd his... It would be great if he just had, like, great fingernails. 
he had he was the first guy to put like bedazzle his fingers. Yeah, yeah. Every yeah. yeah, every day he'd be like, "Man, look at what Lenny did to his nails." Hey, check it out, guy. That's a fucking bronze elephant on there. The only thing that's missing from this beautiful hand is a ring. <laughs> So he had a nitty-gritty style of play. In the outfield, he dove for balls. On the base paths, he slid in head first to the bags. It seemed he always had a dirty uniform and a cheek full of tobacco. Now, now I, I can say I don't... When you bring up players over the years, there are very few that you immediately have a mental image of. And when you say Lenny Dykstra, I... They're, there are two guys that play together. Lenny Dykstra and John Crook played on the same team, and I immediately have an image of both these guys. And Lenny was always fucking filthy, and he had a big fucking wad of chew in his cheek, and he was a fast little tiny, you know, fucking pistol running around the base. Right. Yeah. Okay. So the uh, the fans took to him. He was like a real old timey. Right. Ball He's player. a throwback. Yeah. He looks like it looks like a guy from the forties. Right. The fans soon fell in love, and he became one of the most Popular figures around Shea Stadium. He was a great leadoff hitter. During a game of golf at the Nassau County Club in 1986, Lenny secured his reputation with his teammates. Quote, he walked past a bunch of priests in the clubhouse, lifted a leg, and farted. Oh, wow. <laughs> and that, that gelled? That, <laughs> that gelled the team? Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's how he got the respect of his boys. <laughs> I mean, so now we've learned a lot about the Mets as well. His teammates, yeah, the priests must have just been like, "What the, the fuck? fuck is happening?" Woo! Wow, he really gave it to those priests. Suck it, communicator of God! <laughs> Boom! Dykstra's in the house. He fit in as well as anyone. Said teammate. Lifting up the leg is what makes it yeah. hilarious. Oh, no. Like, he yeah, just walks up to like. <laughs> like a dog on a hydrant. Well, they're like 13-year-olds. Like, I don't even think a 13-year-old would do that. Maybe an 11-year-old. Yeah, like, no. It's insane. No. <laughs> he fit in as well as anyone, said teammate Doug, Doug Sisk. Lenny was gritty and disgusting, and so were we. Opponents called the Mets arrogant, insufferable, and a bunch of assholes. It's funny because that almost sounds like the quote of Lenny before he was a Met. So <laughs> it sounds like he's in the blood. He's in the blood strong. Over the course of, 80, uh, of the 86 season, they were involved in four bench-clearing fights. Not light rounds of pushing and posturing like you see often, but full-on mob scenes complete with blood, torn clothing, and seriously dark intentions to hurt other players. Wow. Lenny was always in the middle. <laughs> the second year he was on the team, Lenny helped the Mets win the World I Series. I mean, it's amazing that all that is over the first year of yeah. his career. yeah. If he, even if he just farted on priests in his year one, it's a very huge year. And this year, the team award for most farting on priests. Come on, motherfucker, I've earned this. Lenny Dykstra. Fuck yeah, baby! Dykstra! The second year, he helped the Mets win the World Series in 1986. And that's the famous, in America, everyone knows, Bill Buckner. It's a guy who was playing first base on the Red Sox, the team the Mets were playing against, and he just had a ground ball go between his legs. He just... Made one of the worst plays ever in the history of yeah a man's a man's life changed so yeah, quickly changed so quickly and they and the Mets won because of that I mean other stuff happened but but that was a big play a lot of people say that Lenny farted his way when that <laughs> the Mets were also a team of heavy drinkers and cocaine users I just love the idea that you could use coke and play sports I mean there's stories of them doing blow on the um, on the pitcher's stripe ah. Uh. After games. 
Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Daryl Strawberry and Doc Gooden were both on the yeah, team. Both those guys are notorious <laughs> cocaine users. Doc yeah. Gooden missed the team's 86 victory parade because he was high on blow in a drug dealer's house, too paranoid to leave. Uh, I so mean, he was watching it. You, you, so he went out after the victory. The parade was the next day. He left the bar when he was at to do blow and then ended up staying up all night and then watching the parade on TV. You, if you're the dealer, you have to be. Like, it's like the good times are over once he's like, I can't go because they'll know. You're like, wait, dude, this is your fuck. What? You won the World Series, dude, man. Dude, I told you not to do those last two lines. What are you talking or about? Last 30. I'll just watch it here with you if that's okay. If that's okay with you. They would often. No, Doc, it's not. I realize you're a, the, the, one of the They'll, know, the they'll know that I've thought about it. I want you to leave. I'm going to. Can I use this pillow? <laughs> they would often gather at games. After games at a blue collar watering hole called Finn McCool's, where they drank with their fans and bought rounds for the house. If you stop by Finn's around three in the morning after a home game, you'd likely see a gaggle of Mets staggering along the sidewalk, carrying another teammate between them, trailed by a giggling swarm of female groupies. The owner of Finn's once claimed that the 86 Mets single handedly kept his bar in business. They kept a refrigerator stocked with beer in their locker room at Shea. Okay, so that is what, honestly, like, that's why that's why baseball is so different from most of the other sports yeah. is that, like, at, like, other athletes will juice, they'll use steroids and shit like that, but you can't, you wouldn't be able to competently pass drunk. No. But. Apparently. <laughs> apparently. If I mean, that's why you just look at the ping pong ball. You can have 12 beers. I went to a a LA Galaxy uh, Rangers soccer game here in America, and the Rangers from Scotland were visiting. Yep, and they were playing horribly. And I looked at a guy next to me. I was in a suite. It was in Drew Carey's suite. And I said, "What the fuck is going on?" And he goes, "Oh, they were two hours ago. They were getting pissed at a pub, Ugh. and they they were playing drunk in front of imagine fifteen thousand people." That's. Yeah. I mean, it says a lot about what the respect level they have for the Los Don't. Angeles Galaxy. <laughs> Um, so after games with their little beer locker room, players stayed late into the night emptying the beer stocked fridge. Jesus. Many times the team trainer arrived the next morning to find men passed out all over the floor, half naked, surrounded by crushed beer cans. <laughs> Who? Uh, so. All right, guys, game day. Come on, get them up. Look get at these up. guys training so hard. They're even sleeping here. <laughs> Gotta love these guys and the recycling. I love these guys. Guys, <laughs> the Mets often took the field with noticeable hangovers. I mean, so if you're in charge of the Mets at this point, you're I just kind of like, I, fuck it. I think no one was in charge. I think he tried, but I think no one was in charge of these guys. Right. Okay. Well, there we go. Lenny was maybe the grossest of the bunch. His own teammates found him tough to take. He picked his nose in front of the cameras. He spat all over the place. He scratched himself and came to the plate with a wad of tobacco the size of a Hershey bar sticking out of his mouth. <laughs> In 1989, the Mets sent Lenny to the Philadelphia Phillies in a surprise trade. The trade was apparently the result of Lenny's off-field behavior. Dykstra was considered a liability due to his heavy drinking and partying. <laughs> to what extent that was true was apparently debatable at the time, but Lenny did have several run-ins with the law regarding his off-field behavior. He also had a lot of injuries. The, on the field injuries or party injuries? Yeah, well, yeah. Yeah. 
During a game versus the Dodgers in the 1990 season, Lenny had an on-field fight with Rick Dempsey. With runners on first and third, home plate umpire Ron Barnes called Philadelphia outfielder Lenny Dykstra out on strikes in the fifth inning. As Lenny, who was leading the league in hitting at the time, wow. approached the plate with two outs in the seventh, he started complaining to Barnes. He then turned to Dodgers catcher Rick Dempsey, accusing him of brown-nosing the umpire. <laughs> that's a hard theory to, like, that's hard to prove. <laughs> You've been kissing his ass. As Dempsey stood up and took off his mask, Lenny dropped his bat and stepped forward. The 40-year-old Dempsey immediately popped him in the face with his glove and followed with a quick right. The two tangled and fell to the ground, and the benches cleared. Seconds later, Dempsey was on the bottom of the huge pile. Quote, Somebody grabbed my face when we rolled on the ground, said Dempsey, who ended up with a large welt on the side of his face. After I saw the replay, I saw it was Dykstra. He grabbed me by the side of my face and squeezed every pimple I had. I have a lot of respect for him as a player, but he's an idiot as a person. (laughs) Although Lenny was a three-time All-Star and helped Philadelphia reach the... 1993 World Series, his off-field behavior was always a problem. In 1991, Lenny was placed on probation by baseball commissioner Faye Vincent for involvement in an illegal gambling ring. I mean, he's really spreading his wings and flying. (laughs) It's amazing that he also sustained that level for that, like, that you think at some point you would, because a lot of times guys will be like partiers, and then they'll sort of balance out. There wasn't that much scrutiny back then as as there is now. Well, Dave, this is before Twitter. This is before Twitty, but yeah. like the guy, who, the the quarterback for Cleveland, Manziel, yeah. is a classic case right now of a guy Dude, who could get away with it back he then. He just likes to roll his $20 bills really tight. If you're talking <laughs> about that picture, I'm going to need to see the cocaine go into his nose. <coughs> gotcha. Okay? Uh, Letty was the star witness for the prosecution in a case against... <laughs> the, right there. It's never a good sign. Well, the star witness, Lenny Dykstra. Side. Never a good sign. <laughs> Against Herbert Kelso, who was raided by the feds for running a betting parlor in Mississippi, the raid uncovered four checks totaling $78,000 written to Lenny, written to, uh, by Lenny to Kelso's lawn supplies company. Like, that's some really I shitty... I need seeds! That's some really shitty money laundering. Yeah, the whole thing... <laughs> it seems very... Like, they were like, yeah, we found the checks, so... I get like, I get like $100,000 worth of lawn work done every month. Is that right? Yeah. And what is the what does he do? Oh, uh, we just because I you see me nails. I play really hard on the lawn. All right, and I so dig it up a lot. So he's got in this car keep... with us. What? Get in the car. Okay, I'm gonna get in the car. I'm gonna dive in head first at the door. <laughs> uh, Lenny's testimony revealed that the checks were for gambling debts he racked up during the off season playing poker and golf. <laughs> he was playing po- He was playing golf for money, like thousand dollars a hole. Yeah. Sure. What? That's not surprising. He tried to laugh off the debts by telling the media, quote, it's no big deal, dude. I had a couple of full houses and I got beat by four of a kind. Bam. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. A few months later, Lenny nearly died in a car crash with Darren Dalton after driving home drunk from a bachelor party. A resident where the accident occurred said that when he rushed out to help, he saw a badly wrecked $93,000 Mercedes facing the wrong way on the right side of the road. Two men, one of them lying in the middle of the road with his face covered by blood and dirt and a bunch of crumpled $100 bills scattered on the floor of the back seat of the car like discarded candy wrappers. <laughs> what? <laughs> I just love that 
anybody lives a life where they're just crumpling up, uh, fuck it, crumpling up $100 bills and throwing it in the back of the car. $93,000 car in the back with just a bunch of crumpled $100 bills. Yeah. <laughs> Letty suffered three broken ribs, a broken right collarbone, and a broken right cheekbone. A broken rib punctured his lung, and his heart was bruised. His ego, strong as ever. I'm fine, you guys. Let's play tomorrow. I could still be an asshole, Doc. Dalton, the Phillies catcher, suffered a broken left eye socket, a scratched left cornea, and a bruised heart. They both had bruised hearts. Just listen. Was that from... Was I've that been from, there. Yeah. Was that because they were sad? Yeah. It's tough, yeah. man. You know, you think you know someone, and then... Uh, according to the police, The next Lenny's, thing you know... Yeah. Oh, sorry. Am I done with No, you're done. Lenny's it's just blo- so... Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> according to Radder, Lenny's blood alcohol contact was measured at 0.1... Uh, seven nine shortly after the crash. That's D's. Yeah, it's D's. D's level. That's up there. That's crumple hundreds level. That is crumple hundreds level. So Lenny was plagued by injuries during the remainder of his career, which is weird. You'd think after you, you know, crashed your car. Yeah. Rumors of steroid use swirled. He played the uh, last season in 1996. He officially retired at the young age of 33, which is pretty young for a baseball. That's player. young, but it's also nice to see that he moved to steroids because it's right. finally a drug that actually might help his might. on the field performance <laughs> instead of just completely thwart it, undercut what he does. Everyone in baseball thought the same thing about Dykstra, <clears throat> that he'd vanish and never be heard from again, says a former teammate. There was no reason to think he'd amount to much of anything. That perce- perception pissed Lenny off in a major way. He oh always felt he had to prove himself. Don't make Dykes mad. Hence, in 1993, with his career coming to an end and his will to succeed as strong as ever, Lenny looked around Southern California and sought a way to apply his competitiveness and drive in another arena. Oh, boy. Car washes. Uh, okay, stop. Ex- no, no, no. Don't what? you dare. What? Don't you dare move on. What are you talking about? So his <laughs> nails is gonna wash some cars. Bro. <laughs> Let me at those vehicles. <laughs> what? Executive car washes, to be exact. Oh, those are the guys with the dry rags. To Lenny, the idea seemed laughably simple. In 1994, the American economy was booming, and the beginning of the tech bubble was turning much of Orange County into a fountain of big money, big houses, and fancy cars. Yet most of the car washes were dumpy grade C setups, not Lenny's. Oh, boy. Within nine years, his three SoCal-based car wash quick lube establishments were grossing millions. A treatment at Dykstra's cost three or four bucks more than at competing businesses, but Lenny's establishments were all class. He loaded up the buildings with baseball memorabilia and saltwater fish tanks. Oh, well, of course, then you should go pay $4 more to get your fucking car washed. He's got baseball memorabilia in a tank. Fish, tank. Fish tanks. Free coffee was always, always available, and the columns at the gas station were painted every day. Wait. I know. Okay. Yeah. That, I think, is maybe the craziest thing you've said so far. <laughs> I mean, can you imagine being the guy's job? What do you do every day? I repaint columns. So it's wet every day. Yeah, every day it's... it's fucking a, wet. People are like, how long is this paper Don't wet? Don't lean against that. Jesus Christ. Did you just paint it? Yeah, every day. <laughs> we paint it every day. Do you want to look at an octopus? <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> did, yeah. So did he have money? I mean, did he have money left yeah, over from yeah, the MLB? He made yeah. a lot of money. So uh, he just... Car washing competitively was just a passion. Yeah. Okay. He had the pumps waxed every day. And if anything got stra- scratched, it was immediately replaced. Jesus. Letty made certain all his relatives had jobs. 
Both brothers, Brian and Kevin, worked at the car washes. Oh, that's weird. I thought he only had another brother. All right. As did his uncle. Lenny treated his family members to Vegas vacations, pricey meals, and all-night parties. I love that he's partying all night with his family. Yeah, still. Yeah. Yeah. With his fa- yeah. Just cast the net into the family. <laughs> Bring him down with you, Dykes. Lenny was sued in relation to the car wash in 2005. The lawsuit, filed by former business partner Lindy, Lindsay Jones, alleged that Lenny used steroids and told Jones to place bets on Philly games in 1993 when Lenny was on the team. So Okay. Mm-hmm. Oh, wait. So this is when he was on the team, she said. I thought for a minute that we that she was pissed that he was using steroids to wash cars. Well, that's how it sounded at first, didn't it? And that would be <laughs> fucking awesome. Let's get these goddamn things clean! Jesus Christ, the paint's off this one. Yeah, it's fucking awesome! Finally! <laughs> As he's just swimming in the seawater in his tank. Ah! Why is my Buick dented? I'm really oh. gonna do it! Uh, actually, ma'am, your car's the cleanest it's ever been. Uh... The suit includes a sworn declaration from a Florida bodybuilder builder, who is a convicted drug dealer who said Letty paid him $20,000 plus, quote, special perks during their eight-year association to bulk up the once slight ball player. In an interview, Jeff Scott said he injected Dykstra with steroids more times than I can count and that Lenny stepped up his steroid use in spring training of 1993 because, quote, it was a contract year. Many fans speculated he was taking steroids due to his rapid change in size. Now, the Philadelphia Phillies were not the first. The Oakland A's were the first, but the Philadelphia Phillies were gigantic monsters. Right. And they were clearly all on steroids. Right. So this is when you first started that, like... This is the beginning of it all, yeah. When Mark McGuire is like, hey, he's a normal guy. To like, Jesus Christ. Oh, he's purple. He's purple. (laughs) Holy shit, a face isn't supposed to be purple, is it? My God, he's a jacked thumb. Leonard Lady admitted to steroid use in his book. Quote, you know, I was like a pioneer for that stuff. Oh, the juice. I was like the very, very first to do that. Uh, Amazing, amazing. So instead of just being like, I didn't do it, he's like, no, man, I was the first guy. Or just even being like, you know, look, it was a tough time. I was really, it was a contract year. He's like, yeah, I did it. Fucking new Before everyone else. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) At first, it wasn't even. I'm the guy who let people know your balls shrink. (laughs) (laughs) Quote, at first, it wasn't even illegal. Then after a few years, I had to just go to a doctor and get a prescription. You know how I got my stuff? Just walking into a pharmacy, bro. It was as simple as that. Mm. You got to understand, there are only 28 people who have my job in the whole world. He said that, but he's referring to the the 28 teams. Okay. So he, he, so, com- he, he's confusing teams and people. It was shocking that a man with an ego so large would think of himself as a team. I'm the same as a team. <laughs> you know, there's only 28 other guys like me. Teams. Thousands of people wanted these jobs every year. There were guys trying to take my job, so I didn't need to do anything I could to protect it, to take care of my family. You have any idea how much money was at stake, do you? $25 million, bro. That's how much money he made. The bros, the bros make anyone less likable. I mean, you got to love the bro. Bros, bros are just taught like an angry bro. What are you talking about, bro? It's like, oh, God. Around the same time Lenny was deep into his car washes, he discovered that his once robust stock portfolio had taken a dramatic downturn. Uh-oh. Upon re- uh, retiring from the Phillies, he had divided $2 million into three different investment accounts. By 2002, that sum had dwindled to 400000 <clears throat> Never wanted to sit down with a newspaper or a book, Lenny committed himself to learning how to invest. Following the markets like a seasoned broker, purchasing, purchasing his first laptop and addictively stocking the internet. By 2006, 
He owned the three car washes, a shopping plaza, and a gas station. Jesus. And was building a retail center and was as famous for his financial wizardry as he had been for playing baseball. Wow. Lenny opened his own trade account <laughs> and was hired as a stock market columnist for the street the street.com, a site co-founded by Jim Mad Money Kramer. Oh my god. So, <laughs> that actually makes sense that Jim Kramer would be like, yeah, yeah get me that psycho. Totally. Well, now Jim Kramer has a long history of just of just recommending horseshit. It, well, be like he's the he's the epitome of what awful news networks do which yeah. is that they deliver bullshit and then they never bring up when it's just never, off as fuck yeah. he's just he's just a loud guy screaming nonsense just hits a big red button talks shit and then never looks back yeah i wonder why i liked lenny his life in high finance included an investment website co-founded by kramer where subscribers paid 999 Ooh, I thought you were going to say a thousand for a minute, and I was going to be like, too rich for my blood. It's close. $999.95. Whoa, whoa, boy. You I'm... always know it's a quality investment site when they give you five cents off. Yeah. Listen, a thousand's hard to see. <laughs> that nickel you can find in your couch, though, that's so, a difference maker. Subscribers would pay $995.95 a year to get Lenny's options picks. Uh, that's I, ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, that's just that. That's just. I love. I do love that though. When someone's like, "How did I make millions? Buy my bullshit handbook." Yeah, You're like, wait. This? He was even featured on HBO's Real Sports with Brian Gumble for his savvy business strategies. In 2008, Kramer raved to Gumble, "Quote: If I didn't know any better, I'd tell you that everything you hear from Lenny is an act because there's no way you'd ever feel." Like he's as smart as he really is. He's, but he's one of the great ones in this business. Compliment so you or not said a compliment is everything about this guy seems like he's a fucking idiot. But man, is he not? <laughs> yeah, that's the nicest thing someone could say about old Lenny. How's that for a sales pitch? <laughs> yeah. You look like a fucking moron. In 2006, he turned increasingly paranoid. And some say delusional. Oh. He became convinced that his brothers were stealing from him and fired both. Employees came and went like the wind. Having undergone treatment for alcoholism in 1999, Dykstra insisted to people he was clean. According to many who knew him, however, this was a lie. He was definitely using drugs, says his brother Brian. <laughs> I'm not sure what stuff was going into his body and when, but he wasn't clean. I mean, I knew who he was getting his pills from. Jesus. In March, in March 2006, Lenny hired Dorothy Van Kalsbeek as his new accountant. A Gorgeous name. Yep. A 49-year-old mother of three, she had spent most of her adult life self-employed, helping people learn accounting software. She knew little of Lenny other than he was supposed to be a financial savant with a Midas touch. But there was one giant problem. Uh, uh, oh, no. Lenny was even better at spending money than he uh, was at making it. Oh, boy. He wanted to know on a daily basis how much money the car washes were bringing in, but he didn't pay attention to the amount he was spending. And Lenny only wanted the best. <laughs> Lenny then decided he wanted out of the car wash business. The, the is, thing that's been... The thing that's just yeah. fucking kicking ass, making tons of money. Yeah. I'm getting out! <laughs> He's firing fish. <laughs> the fuck out of here! The octopus is fired. I want the octopus out of here by the time I come back. Sorry, octopus. You no, no good. I know. I know. Like I go nowhere where I go. 
<laughs> That's... I just, I'm octopus. Where did I go? Lenny, this is a talking octopus. Should we really get this out of here? Come on, man. You gotta keep me around. Get rid of him. I don't like the way he looked at me, that motherfucker. Oh, but come on. Come I'm on, too, man. We could sell tickets to a talking octopus oh, show. Seriously, I'm talking Look, he's fucking talking, right? Get him out of there. Jesus Cut Christ. his tongue out. I got nowhere to go. <laughs> his English is better than most of the car washers. Uh, so in 2006, he sold his North Corona car wash for $11 million. Jesus. Then a year later, he peddled the two remaining car washes to seven partners for $43 million. I mean, what? How? Uh, wow. Lenny had debts, though. Oh, boy. So about $20 million went to paying off loans. Still, there's still a lot 30, of green. $33 million yeah. left over. Now for, Lenny was for set. For people washing cars. Yeah. Yeah. Now Lenny is set. He had more than $4 million invested, owned a $5.4 million, 9,000-square-foot home on the first fairway of the exclusive Sherwood Country Club, a loving wife, Terry, and two kids, Cutter and Luke. Hey. I got to say. Luke, Luke got shortchanged. I, I'm just gonna say right now, don't don't name your kid Cutter. This is Luke, <laughs> and this is my weird boy Cutter. What happened to your arms? Uh, let's just say it's not Luke. Okay, <laughs> Luke's my angel. Cutter, put those shears down. Jesus Christ! I'm gonna do my legs. Oh God, no, Cutter! But Lenny felt unsatisfied. Shocking. As far as Lenny was concerned, he didn't have enough. Of course. Although the house he and Terry owned was huge, it paled in comparison to the mansion located 500 yards away. Well, the one owned by Wayne Gretzky. Okay, so, well. What the fuck? <laughs> How can the, a guy who might be the best at any sport ever have a bigger fucking house than me? Look, he's in the NHL Hall of Fame. I'm in the Car Wash Hall of Fame. Give me what he has. Cutter! The mansion, the Gretzky mansion, came on the market. For seventeen point five million in two thousand and seven. Well, I'm gonna just now, knowing the history of LD. Uh huh. I'm gonna say that you know he's really just anxious to meet his new neighbors. Nails wants it. Nails. No. 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 Nails no. wants it. No. No. Let me. Let me also just say that two thousand and seven. Gretzky. Perfect. <clears throat> perfect time. Gretzky, who was a very wise businessman, <laughs> very known to be a very wise businessman. Perfect time to buy. Took a look at the mar- what was happening in the market and saw some sort of housing crash saw coming. A huge bubble. Somebody jumped out. Yeah, and Lenny was like, dumbass. <laughs> and somebody jumped in. Oh, no. In August, Lenny became the owner of the 12,000-plus-square-foot Gretzky estate. Is complete. that literally the worst time to buy a house? Oh, it couldn't be worse. Right, it's yeah, literally you, I mean, as bad as it get could a, be. He bought the biggest house at the worst time. <laughs> I love that we laugh at this shit. It's like, I think about that every now and then. Like It'll be like, and then his parents died. You're like, oh, man, I can't believe they drowned. All right, what's next, DA? It was complete with a tennis court, three outside guest houses, and an enormous pool. Lenny called it the best house in the world <laughs> and planned to flip it. What the fuck? It's a seventeen point five million flip flipper. it. Flip it for what? It's the fucking. You just paid top dollar for a giant house. You have to flip it. You have to fucking fix shit and up. How much? You have how to much? buy a dump and fix it up and then sell it. Exactly. Like how much upside are you going to be looking at at a place that where you're going to be Holy. like, I made nineteen five. I'm gonna I'm gonna sell this thing for eighteen. <laughs> Pocket myself a sweet point five for million. those three years of hard work. Jesus Christ. His monthly payments would be $120,000. Oh, my God. Shortly thereafter, Lenny spent $2 million on a Gulfstream jet. And what, le- what is he doing? 
<laughs> is he just prepping for one shoot of Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous and then not worrying about the after effect? Uh, let me finish talking about the jet. No. He bought it for $2 million, No. And then he spent another 500000 on upgrades to have the inside of the plane look identical to the interior of his car. Oh, my God, dude. With drapes and all. Oh, so. my God. <laughs> I was so excited to hear what you were going to say at the end. If you said the Mets clubhouse, I was going to find that weird. <laughs> to make a plane look like your car. What is the... What? Hey. <laughs> hey, uh, so how do you guys do good interior work? We're the I, best uh, extra. Yeah, you see my car over there? Yeah. I want I want my plane and car to match on the inside. I'm sorry? I want my plane and my car to match on the inside, so sometimes I can I don't know if you've tell. seen the inside of the plane, but it is beautiful. Right, but sometimes You're... I want to I not be able to know where I am when I wake up. Cool? So turn the plane into a car. That's what I'm talking about. I can see why everyone calls you an idiot on the outside. Stupid as nails. I get it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. By the way, his, I love your nails. His accountant said the plane was breathtaking, but really unwise. Breathtaking in the sense that you're like, my God, he'll lose everything. <laughs> the whole jet thing was a bad idea. Lenny's justification was that he flew so much for business, it was a worthy expense, but it wasn't. It was yeah. just crazy. Two, I mean, who flies $2.5 million worth? No, no. Dorothy says she warned her boss that he was spending too much money. Lenny didn't see it that way because he had an idea that would make him, in his words, a billionaire. <laughs> I, I mean, at this point. <clears throat> yeah. yeah, what's going to stop him? In 2008. A, he's a plane washer? At a time when nobody with a brain would start up a print magazine. Oh, my God. I, what is he doing? <laughs> what is he like? Two things. We're going into magazines and we're going into typewriters. <laughs> he, he went into real estate at the worst time. <laughs> And right when the internet is making publications useless, he's like, let's start the magazine. (laughs) (laughs) Lenny decided to found a magazine called The Players Club. Lenny's vision was to produce a monthly publication catering specifically to the wants and needs of professional athletes. Oh, so there we go. Okay, so it's something that everybody wants. It's it's the perfect. Everybody, it's a relatable thing that anyone can read. Yeah. Okay, cool. It would feature investment strategies, high-priced toys, homes and automobile tips, luxury vacations, everything geared toward the rich and famous. How to go bankrupt in two years. Here's how you don't do it by Lenny Dykstra. (laughs) Lenny was prepared to give pro athletes advice by writing a regular column called The Game of Life. Hey, all right. By Lenny Dykstra. Fuck yeah. Slide in a second with your head out front. Take a bunch of $100 bills and crumple them up nice. Then get in a car wreck. <laughs> then go into $93,000 Buy a car giant wreck. house for no reason. <laughs> the house is still amazing. Quote, this will be the world's best magazine. Hey, oh, well, How with that attitude. Take this, National Geographic. <laughs> yes, yeah, suck it, time. And Lenny's business plan extended beyond the magazine. We're creating a lifestyle, he said. And he emphasized that he wanted to encourage athletes in their prime to set up Set aside half a million dollars a year in customized retirement accounts, thereby ensuring, quote, recurring cash flow for life. Yep. The opposite of what I'll do. Yeah. He described this once by drawing a small circle, right? Mm -hmm. Inside of which he wrote the letters TPC for the Players Club. Okay. And next he drew a large circle around it. Oh, interesting. And then he began connecting the two circles with lines. Oh, so this... Spokes on a wheel, it looked like. Right, right? okay. And on the spokes, he he called them building bridges. 
And he wrote things like annuity, private jets, real estate, and concierge. And I saw this at a business marketing <laughs> weekend event. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, concierge. He wrote concierge. What is that? Concierge, he said, was for, quote, when you forgot your wife's birthday and you're in the on-deck circle and you go, oh, no, hey, Bat Boy, go call the concierge for the Players Club. Tell him to get flowers for my wife and tell her I love her. Sorry, I'm still not clear on what the hell a concierge is in his world. Well, a concierge is for when you're a fucking idiot. But and you and you're playing baseball. Yeah, no, you're you're about to swing and you forget your anniversary. And you forget your anniversary, or you're like, oh, I didn't. Leave, I left the lights on in my place, and then you call up in the concierge. But how is that one of his building bridges? It's a life concierge. Yeah, but how does that? How is like all the other things sound like they're at least the theory behind them is investing in your future, mm. not right, not right advice or great advice, but. How does having a concierge? Am I talking crazy? Because I th- feel like you're on Lenny's side. It's a concierge. Okay. All right. As long as we've cleared that up nicely. And is he at the Players Club offering a specific concierge? The Players Club comes with a concierge. It's part of the magazine. You know what? I'm going to stop asking questions about the concierge. Um. The plan was for the Players Club to go straight to 20,000 players' lockers. And would penetrate a quote sixty billion dollar industry, the professional sports market. His was a magazine by millionaires for millionaires, and by using it as a vehicle for selling financial products, Lenny projected that within ten years there'd be an eleven point six billion in players' assets for him to manage. I mean, what a psycho! As long as athletes were getting paid for playing sports, there'd be a market for the players' club, or as Lenny put it himself. We're recession-proof, baby! No. Because <laughs> we're making a magazine for the rich. Right. We all know how the rich handle a recession. What could go Spend, wrong? spend, spend. Oh, they love to spend money. In yeah. Recession. It's trickle-down. This would all work with his website called Nails Investments. The first... <laughs> Amazing that that's a website, too, yeah. because the amount of times someone would be like, what the fuck is this what? when they just want Lee Press-Ons? <laughs> what is this shit? The first Players Club featuring Derek Jeter on the cover... Whoops. Came out on April 1st, 2008. Lenny seemed to see the magazine as a chance to prove how successful he was. Each issue began with an ode to Lenny column. Lenny insisted the publication be based out of an office at 245 Park Avenue in Manhattan. Oh, so a cheap area. Well, when you're starting a magazine... You want to start You want to pay the most amount. (laughs) You want to pay the most for everything. Yeah. The thing about magazines is, and anybody will tell us who started a magazine, high overhead. Right well, the you bat, want the high overhead. Yeah, and right away you want the illusion that you've been doing it for ten successful years. Yes. that's the way to do it. Yeah, and yep. you should start off by saying, "Start big." It's our fiftieth year anniversary. Hey, can you believe it? Eleven point six billion dollars later, here I sit. Lenny called it one of the top five addresses in the world, and the rent was about 17000 per month. So he's just, uh, like, he, he's a little Trumpish in a way, in the yeah. sense that he likes to label the things the most amazing in the world. Yeah. When they're horseshit. When they're just, like, uh, you know, nice, but come on. It's a golf course. <laughs> Lenny had high expectations for the magazine and placed unrealistic demands on his employees. Based out of California, he would call his New York staff at all hours of the night, screaming, babbling, and yelling, all with the help of Adderall. Oh, God. He would stay up for days on end, never sleeping, never resting. 
Jesus. So it's going well. It's not going well. Uh, (laughs) He's really going to be like Doc Gooden at the parade in no time. (laughs) Can't go to the magazine. A former employee of the magazine recalled, editorial brainstorming sessions fueled by Coca-Cola and ice cream sundaes typically lasted until dawn. But this did not mean that things were getting done. Most meetings were simply extended hangout sessions with Lenny cracking up at his own jokes or asking us to watch the real sports segment over and over. (laughs) (laughs) This is definitely not a guy on drugs. (laughs) No, no, let's watch again. Let's watch it again. Let's get the the, the part where I I yell, I'm going to be a billionaire. Watch it again. Watch it again. Also, a cup of water would be great. A cup of water would be good. (laughs) God, my face feels weird. You guys feel my face? God. Look at this ping pong ball. Now let's make a magazine. (laughs) Right? Uh, he would especially love the moment where Lenny points to his seat on his private plane and said, this is where the big man sits. Oh, God. Come on. He's just a psycho. It's a guy <laughs> this who is keeps where the making big man. his employees watch a segment on a TV show where he points at his seat and says, this is where the big man sits. Uh, not only on his plane, in his plane that he designed to be a car. This is where the big man sits. <laughs> he also seemed to relish letting go a long leisurely fart for amusement of his employees <laughs> or showing off his silk tie and saying, you see this tie? I paid 500 for it. And then he would rub it on his crotch. <laughs> I just, uh, I would love to work there just for a little bit. Just to be like, what the fuck? $500? Yeah. Oh God. Other times. And it just rips one. <sighs> Lenny's attempts at humor were downright offensive. At one meeting, oh, I'm sorry. I thought those were the downright <laughs> oh, no, offensive ones. No, now he's oh, going to okay, get really sorry, horrible. Sorry. He went on about how a particular layout looked faggy, despite the presence. <laughs> well, that's a fair note. <laughs> despite the presence of a gay page designer in the room. Later, Lenny said, "Did you see the look on that fag's face?" On another occasion, Lenny called about potential cover subjects while the employee was at home. So with Lenny Lenny knowingly on speaker, he proudly stated that nobody can call me racist. I put three darkies and a bitch on my first four covers. Oh, my God. Yeah, he's a fucking monster. Jesus Christ. This isn't this isn't a 1960 anymore. Right. Well, do you want to hear the names of the darkies? Uh, I believe I know one of the... Derek Jeter? Yeah. Chris Paul, Tiger Woods. Holy shit. And the bitch was Danica Patrick. <sighs> Well, those are strong, strong words. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Those are so he he somehow managed. Those are legit darkies and a bitch. He somehow managed to play sports and be a fucking racist. Yeah. Which is to me incredible that anyone can the Jeff Kent's of the world who can be these fucking racists and play alongside. Yeah. Black guys and be overt and be overt. Yeah. Like just. Another former employee also liked Lenny. Special. Also, my magazine, Three Darkies and a Bitch, is actually going to be coming out. I think in September it starts. So you're gonna you're gonna call it that? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I wish you luck. Thank you. It seems like the right time. Oh no, I, I agree. Yeah. <laughs> also, I bought a yacht. <laughs> what are you? Gonna, what, what, I'm gonna make it look like a bike. <laughs> <laughs> Another former former employee also recalled Lenny's special brand of humor. <laughs> what, a, what a very sweet way of putting it. Lenny liked to leave a large amount of feces in the toilet so he could hear the shrieks of the hotel's grossed out maids. Oh, my God. He's like 50. He's 50. He's like 50 at this point. 
What an awful... That's awful. <clears throat> By this point, Lenny's behavior was increasing. Here, take a silk tie. I'm sorry, sweetheart. <laughs> oh, did I shit on the floor? My bad. Hey, maybe you don't know who I am? I'm just like this. Nails. <laughs> the nails. By this point, Lenny's behavior was increasingly erratic. He used the Gretzky house and the plane to secure multiple loans and began crossing the line from merely unethical to completely criminal. <laughs> Lenny borrowed credit cards and money from seemingly everyone, his employees, his accountant, and even his mother, always with unfulfilled promises of great reward. Quote, I never actually loaned Lenny a credit card, said Chris Frankie, a senior editor at the magazine, but I still wound up with credit card charges related to Lenny. That's a, that's a fun. That's how you know you got a buddy. You want to go to lunch? Oh, oh, shit, I forgot my card. You want to pay for this? Uh, <clears throat> a victim of poor leadership, poor economy, and mediocre sales, the Players Club died in the winter of 2008. What? After seven issues. Well, how I many know. more bitches and darkies did he get on? <laughs> I don't know how this can happen. It's a fucking seven, billion dollar idea. It's seven a billion months. Dollar idea. Seven months. Seven, mag- seven magazines. Seven <laughs> magazines. Seven. Lenny was in ruins. His wife filed for divorce, and, uh, Lenny, and Lenny was drinking again. That, coupled with his alleged drug use, rendered him a stumbling, mumbling version of his former self. Well, don't you miss the car wash days, Dave? <laughs> oh, man. An extensive article about uh, an ESPN.com investigation came out in April 2009 and asserted that Lenny had been the subject of at least two dozen legal actions since 2007. Mm. A former employee accused Lenny of credit card fraud, failure to pay rent on the magazine's Park Avenue offices, and for Oh, it's checks. a very top five location. Yeah. For lawsuits and printing costs. In 2009, Lenny filed for Chapter 11 bankruptcy, listing less than 50000 in assets against Jesus. more than $31 million in liabilities. Holy shit. Lenny said his filing was about reorganization, not bankruptcy. I'm oh not bankrupt. Oh, boy. I'm just moving some money around. Yep. I'm moving money from places where I owe people to, to, play, to places where it's mine. As MC Hammer stood behind him nodding. In the fall of 2009, the case was converted to a Chapter 7 bankruptcy to liquidate the estate and pay creditors. The Gretzky Mansion was gone. The fancy car was gone. The private jet was gone. His 1986 World Series gone. Auctioned for fifty six thousand. His ring, his ring was oh, auctioned wow. off. He was banned from both of his foreclosed multi million dollar properties in Lake Sherwood. So he didn't sell the other one when he bought the new one. Okay, smart. You know, from, uh, so security officers were instructed to not to deny him access to the homes. He was accused of vandalizing the properties and not maintaining homeowners insurance on them. And the court assigned a trustee to manage them. Lenny was living out of his car. You mean his jet? And an airplane hangar. Ah. And in hotel lobbies. Oh, my God. He eventually settled into a shitty apartment. Quote, I was like a wanderer, dude. I was like Gandhi. He lived out of a bag. Yeah, by choice. So. (laughs) You had a point. But also, there's a point where you stop comparing yourself to the greats. Yeah. Yep. And when you're living in a hotel lobby out of a bag. Yeah. And washing your genitals in the sink? Oh, pardon me for being Gandhi. <laughs> you know, too, at one point, he snuck in. Like, he, he, how many times was he watching that real time or the uh, real oh sports? My oh, my God. That's all he had was a videotape of that. Just, in the back. He'd just be in a hotel lobby like, anyway, you guys could put that on and give me the remote. <laughs> Actor, uh, sorry, author Randall Lane, who wrote the book, quote, The Zeros, My Misadventure in the Decade Wall Street Went Insane. Described Lenny as 
a slow motion car wreck. He is the perfect <laughs> metaphor for what happened to many people, but he did it on a scale that was monumental. Wow. That's the guy who wrote the book about Wall Street. It's true, though. I mean, honestly, like all the stuff you said, it really like buying at the wrong time, oh buying God. big, everything, selling the being car brash, didn't yeah, selling to, the car washes, starting a magazine, selling all the car washes to start a publication for the rich. For the rich, the Gretzky house was riddled with water damage, torn up floor, flooring, missing toilets, and other major damage. Missing it's, toilets is a weird thing. That happens. That totally happens. Sure, yeah. Look, if you need some bucks, you sell a toilet. Where are the four toilets? Yeah, huh? I can get probably get probably, probably get eight hundred for this toilet. So, um, I need some steroids. How much can I get for two toilets? <laughs> His second house, also in the Sherwood development, was uninhabitable due to toxic mold. According to papers filed in court, one of the houses in question was in quote unshowable condition. As the home was littered throughout with hemp- empty beer bottles, trash, dog feces, and urine and other unmentionables. That ain't dog feces. Raw sewage had been leaking inside the house, I'm and good. the electrical wiring had been damaged or removed by vandals. More <sighs> than two dozen lawsuits were filed against Dykstra with a list of more than 50 creditors. Among those litigants was author Lane, the former owner of Double Town Double Down Media, which produced the Players Club, Lane attributes the Glossy's failure in part to Lenny's unrestrained spending. Because it might have worked if he just started a tiny office and just see if it would perhaps, uh, yeah. probably not, probably not, but it might. But have. perhaps, as an example, Lane cites a launch party for the Players Club that turned into a six hundred thousand dollar party. Oh my god! At the Mandarin Oriental Ballroom in New York, attended by. Tennis star John McEnroe, Donald Trump, Kramer, and other elites of the business and sports world. Imagine just how much you wish you had that night back. Oh, God, you know, when you're in night. the shit, yeah. when you're Gandhi. Oh, what if I hadn't spent $600,000 on really that really use party. that six hundred grand right now. Despite his bankruptcy, he was seen soliciting, still soliciting, 995-year subscriptions to his newsletter at www.nailsinvestments.com. Wait. So he's lost it all. But, but, he's gone totally bankrupt. Right. But he's still trying to get people but he, to subscribe to his now internet website. Oh, this can be yours. <laughs> uh, you pooped in a pizza box. So. Hey, how much How much do you think you would pay for failure? $1,000 a year? In my nine-part strategic plan. Lenny, you have puke on you. Listen. Make your boat look like your bathroom. <laughs> It's all very simple. Turn your helicopter into a motorcycle. Nails claimed he had a record of better than 100 to 0 in stock option calls. Well, I think we might take issue with that. It's a perfect record. In June 2010, the court appointed federal trustee in Lenny's bankruptcy case charged he had lied under oath and properly hidden and sold assets and repeatedly acted in a fraudulent and deceitful manner during his ongoing bankruptcy case. The items ranged from sports memorabilia to a $50,000 sink. I mean, I don't. We could just leave that one. Why don't we just <laughs> fuck it? At one point, he sold a truckload of furnishing and fixtures for cash at a consignment store, according to a statement from the U.S. Attorney's Office. Oh, my God. Lenny was sentenced to house arrest after the bankruptcy fraud indictment. In 2010, Lenny was accused by ex porn actress Monica Foster that he hired for a night and then wrote her a bad check for $1,000. Oh. She later posted a photocopy of the bounce check on her blog. Quote, he's a coward. I know in his eyes he just screwed over a hooker and he thinks he can just treat people like crap because 
He was once a big name, said Foster, who starred in X-rated titles like Not the Cosby's, Triple X, and Flavor of Lust. Wait, but Bill Cosby was in Not the Cosby's, right? <laughs> Had to be. Is that really Bill Cosby? <laughs> you like a little cocktail? <laughs> 2011. Also, who I don't know who's crazier. Yeah. I don't know if the prostitute or the porn star taking the check is crazier. Yeah. Or a check. A check. A check. But you also understand why she would be like, he's not. Well, he's he's got got money. Dykstra. I mean, he isn't in, in a big house that's got shit all over the place. Still, he's Gandhi. <laughs> 2011 was a big year for Lenny. In January, Lenny was accused of sexual assault by his housekeeper, who alleged that he would force her to give him oral sex on Saturdays. Oh, my God. That is a little too specific for me. The woman told investigators she needed the, the job and the money, so she went along with his request rather than lose her job and returned to work in, the, in, in his home with knowledge obtained from the Internet about a claim of sexual assault by another woman. She's, she's reading online that he sexually assaulted women. She needs a job so bad that she will blow him on Saturday, fucking shitty job. He's a monster. The Saturdays things really throw me for a loop. Game day. Oh my god. On May 2011, Doc Gooden got an unexpected visit from Lenny during Gooden's stint on Celebrity Rehab. As Gooden described it, it was around 10 o'clock, and I was getting ready to go to bed. And all of a sudden, one of the guys behind the scenes says, "Dykstra's here." Wait, at the actual rehab facility? Yeah, he's at the, he's at the Celebrity. He's rehab. taping Celebrity Rehab, and Lenny Dykstra shows up. Yeah. Okay, continue. <laughs> they tried to get Lenny to sign a waiver, and he wouldn't do that. It was all crazy. Lenny was like, Doc, you all right? I don't like this. I got your bags. Let's get out of here. <laughs> Gooden said he tried to calm Lenny down and convince him that he wasn't being hypnotized by the show's host, Dr. Drupinski. <laughs> <laughs> he just assumed that Doc Gooden was being hypnotized. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Doc, I got your bags. Let's go. I haven't talked to you Doc, in 20 don't look years. Doc, the coin. Don't look at the fucking coin. What are you talking Let's about? Let's get out of here. He's a, he's a therapist. <laughs> Lenny expressed concern about uh, when he, uh, about Dr. Pinsky when he sneaked into Gooden's room on the set. God, I wish he signed that release. I said, quote, everything's cool, Lenny, Gooden said. Lenny eventually left without Gooden. Asked if Dykstra had ever returned his bags, Gooden laughed and said no. <laughs> Wait, he so just took all his shit. It's just a, a bag he heist. Packed up his shit and left. All right, Doc. Well, you seem like you got this under control. Okay, so this was basically a burglary. <laughs> See you later, buddy. All right, it's called the slow pelly. I'm back, baby. April 13, 2011. Lenny was arrested for investigation of grand theft auto by Los Angeles police at his Encino home on suspicion of trying to buy a stolen car. April 14, 2011. Lenny was arrested and charged with bankruptcy fraud. It was reported that a week later, Charlie Sheen paid 22500 towards the $150,000 bail that was set for his old buddy Nails. Wow. Sheen made a statement, quote, The rendition guilty trolls that kidnapped my dear friend Nails clearly forgot that he's a fellow Vatican assassin and his best pal is a warlock. So this is... Uh, sorry, is there more? Lenny had previously <laughs> come to Sheen's aid hiring a top lawyer to negotiate the... Troubled actors return at two and a half men after he was fired. Right. So this the exactly. So this is when Charlie Sheen went fucking apeshit crazy. Well, and was on drugs very clearly. What this says is that um, Charlie and Lenny have been doing meth. Yeah, he's a fellow warlock who's a Vatican assassin. <laughs> June two thousand eleven. Lenny was arrested 
and charged with 25 misdemeanors and felony counts of grand theft auto identity theft, filing false financial statements and possession of cocaine, ecstasy, and steroids. He first pled not guilty to all the charges, but later his plea was reduced to no contest to grand theft auto and providing false financial statements in exchange for for dropping the drug charges. A year later, after unsuccessfully trying to withdraw his no contest plea... Wow. What? The judge is like, what? Just, I did it. What do you I did want? It. I did it. I didn't do it. I didn't do it. My God. Uh, you he, should have never sold the car washes, sir. He, <laughs> For God's sake. He was sentenced to three years in state prison, receiving nearly a year's credit for time already served. In June 2011, Lenny appeared in federal bankruptcy court and pled not guilty to 13 charges. He was represented by a public defender and faced up to 80 years in prison if convicted of all charges relating to embezzlement, obstruction of justice, bankruptcy fraud, making false statements to the bankruptcy court, and concealing property from the bankruptcy court. Well, in 2011, Lenny was charged with indecent exposure. Oh, these are just sad, sad crimes. The Los Angeles city attorney accused him of placing ads on Craigslist requesting a personal assistant or housekeeping services. The victims alleged that when they arrived, they were informed that the job also required a massage service, Lenny would then disrobe and expose himself. Oh, my God. John Travolta, eat your heart out. In 2012, in July 2012, Lenny pleaded guilty <laughs> in federal just court. Three, less than three years ago. <laughs> I know. To three felonies, one count each of bankruptcy fraud, concealment of assets, and money laundering. He admitted to hiding, selling, or destroying over $400,000 worth of items that were supposed to be part of his bankruptcy filing. On December 3rd, 2012, he was sentenced to 6.5 months in prison, 500 hours of community service, and ordered to pay $200,000 in restitution. Fuck. Lenny Dykstra, nails to millions of baseball fans, was now inmate number 2766176 inside Los Angeles County Sheriff's Department Men's Central Jail. Confined to his cell for 23 hours a day. And by the way, that's a fucking brutal jail. I mean... You do not want to be in L.A. County Sheriff's Jail. It's, it's, It's a jail where... The, the guards have been proven to have been basically gangs and they were torturing prisoners and beating prisoners. It's a, every sheriff in L.A. County has to has to work in the L.A. County jail for three years. They hate it. They take it out on the prisoners. It's just this abusive fucking nightmare. Well, that's good. <clears throat> that's, His that's cell nice. was approximately eight by six block of stone with a toilet and a sink. Meals were passed beneath a steel door. And thanks to years of chewing, he couldn't even enjoy those. Oh. As he only had three of his four teeth remaining in his mouth. Oh, wait. Oh, my God. Lenny was released from prison in June 2013. And it turns out that while he was in prison, his website, Nails Investment, was in operation the whole time. Apparently, his accountant, Dorothy Van Kalsbeek, already knew his system and wrote his columns and picked his stocks with his oversight. They consulted about the market in letters and during her visits to the prison. He's currently planning an autobiography that he hopes will become a movie. Yep. In an interview with LA Times, Lenny described the situation this way. I've been fighting my whole life. That's why I have a new theme song, dude, and I'm going to play it for you. Oh, sweet God, yes. I wish I knew what the... I'll read you the lyrics. I want to be a billionaire so bad. Buy all the things I never had. I want to be on the cover of Forbes magazine, smiling next to Oprah and the Queen. He sang loudly and off-key. Oh. 
Lenny receives a five thousand seven hundred. So, do month we know thing. what song that is? No, it's a a Trav, Travis McCoy song. Sure. Okay. Lenny now receives a five thousand seven hundred dollar monthly pension from Major League Baseball. Ah, Jesus Christ! Jesus. I mean, what a meteoric rise I and mean, fall! Holy shit! Wow, that's a guy who that that's like one of the most spectacular falls. Six in all grand sports. a month. Yeah, and he still gets six grand a month. Like, you but but live even then, that they, easy. But you know, he won't. Oh no! You, you, like anybody could live easily. off six grand easily, easily, easily. Yes, he, you know he won't. Well, I mean, he's got to hire the maids to blow him. So he's that's still, he's that's still two grand the, a month. Still got to get the magazine going. Get but the even magazine after going. all that shit, after all the sexual assault charges, and I think I skipped a part where he 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 was one of the employees at his at his uh, at his car wash accused him of touching her. That she's a seventeen year old. Oh my god! So he he committed all of these sexual crimes, and. He committed so much fraud that it's fucking insane. He should be in prison. He should yeah. be in prison for life compared to the digits who just sell drugs on a street corner. Yeah, people this guy sell did weed. So much more fucking yeah. damage. Yeah, so much more damage. And he's plotting a comeback. Well, he's gonna have a comeback. God, you know, I, honestly, name done. one difference between his life and Gandhi's. You can't. You can't, right? They both a couple of dudes wandering around with a bag. Yeah, you can't. It's the same thing. Gandhi also. Had his uh, oh. had his his boat painted like his showroom. Yeah, and he was oh, he was a known fondler. Because Gandhi said, "I want my foyer to look like my boat." Yeah, he. I remember he always said that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I want to thank Danny uh, Daniel Brendel for doing the research on that one. Oh, well, well done to very him. Very nice. Yeah, he did a really good job. I, th- I believe he's Australian because I got I had a lot of mates in here and stuff, and uh, and I went, "Oh no, I I gave an Australian guy a baseball story." <laughs> <laughs> I felt bad about it afterwards. I didn't realize he was Australian. <laughs> Maybe Poor he's a fan now. I'd be a fan after that. Poor guy to learn about baseball. Would you be a fan after that? Yeah. After hearing about the Rube and Dyke? Come Jesus on. Jesus Christ. Couple of heroes. This guy's the opposite of the Heroes of the game. Uh, he seems like... what he, The difference between him and the Rube, would, I would say, would be a little more brain power. Because I think if you let the Rube yeah. loose with a, you know, a regular human brain, <laughs> who knows what could happen. <laughs> Sadly, it was just the sirens. By the way, I have a I have an addendum to last last week's uh, dollop, which the um, Eric read. Okay, so a friend of mine who's a screenwriter was was writing around that time and was also you know coming up, so he was taking. This shooting. is the guy who crashed into the yeah. who wrote the weird uh, crash into the, the bar, right? So my friend said he listened to the episode. And he goes, he goes, oh my god. He goes, so I was writing this. I got. I got paid to adapt this book and it was the worst book I'd ever read. And it was so fucking hard to adapt. And, and I was like, so depressed. Like it almost made him kill himself. Like he was right at the bottom trying to fucking adapt this book. And, it, and every day he just, it was like a nightmare getting out of bed. Like it just hell. Right. And then when he finished, the producers then gave the script to Eric Red to write. Oh, and Eric Red was working on that script when he crashed into. The oh, bar. get the fuck out of here! So I think there's a, a cursed script out. It's there. like The Ring. <laughs> Holy shit! That's insane. You got to feel good about yourself though if you didn't do it. If you're like, wow, at least I adapted this. Oh, shit. I dodged a bullet. Holy shit! <laughs> I, I look. I was thinking some crazy shit, but holy shit! <laughs> All right. Anything else? Nope, I'm good. That's the story of Lenny Dykstra. I hope everyone's happy with that.
Hey there, people listening to The Dollop. Uh, this is Gareth. Yes, the same guy. I Listen, I have a new podcast called We're Here to Help that I'm doing with my friend Jake Johnson. It's basically a call and advice show where we don't say that we're professionals because we aren't, but we try to help people with problems that are important to them. You can listen to it wherever you listen to podcasts, and it is out right now. So go listen to We're Here to Help with Jake and Gareth. We're here to help with Gareth and Jake. I don't remember how we did it, but either way, fun half hour comes out Tuesday, August 22nd, and the episodes will be out every Tuesday and Friday. We're here to help. Oh, hey there, everybody. It's Gareth, you know, from this uh, this podcast. Uh, listen, I've got some stand-up shows. I'm inviting the Garmy, the Gareth Army, to join me for. I will be in Fort Collins, Colorado, August 18th and August 19th. I will be in Minneapolis, Minnesota, August 24th through August 26th at Acme. I will be going to the UK in September. Please join me. I will be in Glasgow, September 13th, London, September 15th, Dublin, September 17th, September 19th, Manchester, Birmingham, September 20th, Bristol, September 22nd, and Cardiff, September 24th. And then in November, I'll be in Australia. November 10th, almost sold out, I think. I'll be in Melbourne, Australia. Then I will be in Northbridge, Australia on November 15th. Adelaide, November 16th. Canberra, November 17th. Brisbane, November 18th. And then I will be in uh, Sydney on November 24th. Go to GarethReynolds.com for tickets. Garmy, let's get at it. after it. Let's see you there.